Hey everybody, this is S. Anthony Thomas. This is the S. Anthony Thomas Show. And as I promised, this is the beginning of a string of interviews slash chats with people I find funny and interesting and people I know you are going to find funny and interesting. And it starts off with comedian, actor, voiceover artist, Bobby Z. So, are you ready? Of course you are. Let's do it. All right, everybody, I'm here with an old friend of mine. Yes, we are both that old, a little grayer, hopefully a lot wiser. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please say hello to my friend, Mr. Bobby Z. Hello, hello. You know, I I was thinking about this, how long we've known each other, and it's got to be close to 20 years. Yeah. What year did you start doing comedy? Oh, well, I started doing comedy in um, June of 1983. Sweet God. Okay. I got bad news for you. (laughs) I got bad news for you. If you started in 1983 and I started in 1986, that means we've known each other probably for close to 30 years. Well, now, now see, what happened is I... Started eighty three, but by eighty seven I moved to LA, and mm-hmm. I wasn't in. I wasn't in. I was in South Jersey in eighty three, and I went to college. So I did. I was up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, of all places, and um, I did some comedy there. Then I went to LA in eighty seven, and I was there until ninety two. Moved to New York. In '99, moved down to South Jersey again. '99, uh, and uh, and then started up again because I had taken a break because we were moving and I was I don't know I was baby and I moved down here and then my wife says you know you should do comedy again I'm like okay I think she thought I would go back and do it for like a couple months and then be done and uh, and that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> They all think we're going to do it for a couple of months. They all think that. <laughs> it's true. And it's like, I remember one time we were at a show and my, my sister says, my brother-in-law is there. And he says, he goes, so oh. he goes, I, you know, Bobby says you're really supportive. Just, I just thought he would just do it for a little while. I didn't know just going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing. The funny thing is nobody, uh, see, when we were both doing it back then in that time mm. period, you know, people really didn't, no comedians uh, you know, right. we were around but they didn't know us and if you talk to people they didn't know anybody who did comedy so when you told people you did comedy they looked at you like you, you had a horn in the middle of your head and you were a mm-hmm. unicorn well, well yeah and, and then most people say the same thing well oh then do you know you know Johnny Carson or whatever <laughs> but yeah we all, we all go to the same bar we all yeah. know each other <laughs> we all live in the same basement and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we take turns coming outside to speak to normal right. people. <laughs> that or tell me a joke. And it's like, oh, you know. That used to drive me nuts. It still does oh, drive wow. me nuts. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Say something funny. Like, yeah, okay. So, like, my brother-in-law, the first time I met him, he goes, oh, it's me, you know, tell me, a good, oh, tell me something funny. I'm like, all right, your sister likes to hump like a jackrabbit. And he's like, hey. <laughs> I said, well, that is funny, because she doesn't. Um, so... <laughs> And he stopped asking me after that. As a matter of fact, 
he came to a show and I did that line. And then afterwards, he goes, you know, I don't like that you say things. You I shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they do. It's, it's amazing. They don't, they don't understand. Like, Listen, you have to understand we're machines and real life is the meat that yeah. comes through it. <laughs> you know? well, I mean, for a while, and I did, I did Ozzy Osbourne impression. I just did this Ozzy character, so I dressed as Ozzy, and I would just go. And it started because um, my wife got me hooked into doing fundraisers, but like the neighbors were there. I'm like, I don't want the neighbors. Like, this is you now. You're crossing the streams here, you know. So, <laughs> so my parents got invited to come, and I'm like, my parents. Shit. I think my father saw me do comedy three times in thirty something years. Mm-hmm. So. The first time they came, I said to my mom, I said, yo, she goes, are you going to be nervous that we're there? I said, no, I'm going to get Ozzy to do it. And she goes, oh, do you think you can get him? So you, they, they only came to see, you said your parents, your father only came to see you three times. Now, yeah. you remember, do you, did you see that movie Punchline? I lived it, yeah. Oh, God. You know, the part where, you know, Tom Hanks is on stage and his dad comes in and he freaks out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So here's the funny thing. Remember Jeff Perani? God bless him. Yes. May you rest in peace. So, so the first time my father's coming to see me, Perani is there. It's a fundraiser, and Perani is going to open the show for me to introduce me so that I can then see the rest of the show, right? So you mm. do me a favor. You're just going to come do a few minutes and do that. So before the show, I introduce him to my father. So I walk away for a few minutes. If I talked about Jeff and my dad, you know, wanted to meet him, so... So Jeff says to my father, he goes, oh, you know, your son, he's a good kid. He, uh, you know, when he hires comics, he takes care of them. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's good, good like that. Blah, blah, blah. And my father goes, well, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And Jeff goes, oh, I thought he was adopted. Let me ask you this. I, I'm curious. I'm curious because everybody has a different reason or a different story for why they picked up the microphone the first time. I mean, it takes a lot to get up on that stage and pick up the microphone. Obviously, I know from personal experience, but mm-hmm. what made you do it? I mean, you know. Uh, well, see, I used to, you know, people used to ask if I was a class clown, but I was not the class clown because I, I went to Catholic school, so I knew you, <laughs> you only had a, a, a small margin of error to, to do that. So I used to call myself the special guest star. <laughs> and... <laughs> And my goal wasn't to make kids laugh, because kids, I think kids laugh these, right? But if I could get the teacher to laugh, then I could go, right? So mm-hmm. I started doing that. And then, of course, I, I just, I don't know, I just thought I should be entertaining people. But I think I started entertaining people to break the, to break the silence or to break the uncomfortableness, whether it was in school, because mm-hmm. occasionally, like, it would get really tense for something, and I would just do something to make every, make the whole room laugh just to, like, break the tension. And my father was kind of strict, kind of strict. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I would do things, but but he saw that I wanted to do it, so he would get mad that, you know, oh, you know how many starving actors there are and all that kind of crap. But um, so sometimes I would do my jokes, and, and but then he would say, uh, and so then I would say, oh, no, no, that, that wasn't my joke. That was from Saturday Night Live. Oh, that was pretty funny. You know, but yeah, he didn't yeah, watch yeah. Saturday Night Live. <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's funny how, you know, I, I, every time I, every comic I've had on the show, when I, you know, when we, you know how we talk sometimes before the recording starts or before this show yeah. starts. And they all, they all tell me the same story about 
and singers are the same way. Any kind of entertainer where no matter how, you could be just destroying the place and having jokes that, you know, get standing ovations and applause breaks and you will tell a relative or your girlfriend or your wife and they will look at you like you just you're reading the phone book because they don't <laughs> they can't yeah. separate that thing from you. Oh, they separate that thing. Well, from right. You. you know, and, and you know, so my father. So at one point, I you know I was doing, and he kind of understood that I could still have a day job that was doing well, and I could still do comedy. And you know, it was like I wasn't going to starve or any of those things. He felt a little bit better about it then. So then I said I wanted to do this one man show about his father because my grandfather, his my father's father, came from Italy on the boat as a chef up in Boston and had just great speech patterns and all these things. And my father was a was a was a uh, a genius. But I mean, well, you know, I mean, he was like one of these kids that that was gonna they were gonna move him ahead in school and everything. And my grandmother was like, I don't know, he's kind of small. I don't think we should do that. So. Uh, you know, he, he, he went to MIT. I can't even spell MIT. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then he, he got a he got an MBA in a year from these because he got dressed and all and so he's super smart, but but so uptight about things. So anyway, I said I was gonna do this thing about my grandfather and he goes over my dead body and I was like, Yeah, okay. And he looked at me and he goes, No, literally, you have to wait till I'm dead before you do something like that and I was like, uh, oh, okay. What? Well, how long is that gonna be? So, uh, and he didn't, he just passed away like 18 months ago, Ah, a year, well, no, 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 he, he, he almost made it to 91. So that's pretty good. But he, a year before he died, we gave him last rites in the hospital and Mm -hmm. we all were there and, and, and that was it. And he was saying goodbye and we were playing Sinatra in the, in the, in the, in the poor shared room, the poor guy next to us was like, what's going on here? And, um, and mm-hmm. I was in the hallway with my sister, and I said, well, you know, now I can do my HBO special over his dead body. <laughs> and the next day, they released him to the hospital, and he lived like another 14 months, and I was like, oh, my God, he hurt. Oh, he hurt you. He's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, oh, really? <laughs> he pulled that bill. And then, <laughs> yeah. So then he died, and then like three months later, a pandemic strikes, and I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are I just call him the comedy cockwalker. He's still comedy cockwalking. Yeah, <laughs> you think I'm gone, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, <laughs> punk. That's what I'm doing now. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm like, wow. So, I, yeah, trying, I, I think like, I know what's going on there because um, right before I called you for the show, I I <laughs> spilled some rice on the floor and it spelled don't call Bobby on it. I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> How did this rice do that? <laughs> That's all right. Later, when you when you go to check, you're like, didn't record. Well, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The damn SD card's on fire. What the hell is this? That <laughs> <laughs> seems wrong. So, yeah, I, that, and the other thing was, like, I started doing comedy as a def- very young, before I did stage comedy, but as a protective device. So, like, I, I didn't, I had four sisters and no brothers. I grew up in a neighborhood where I was the only Catholic kid. And uh, so I got picked on a lot. And since I was uh, slow, fat, and whatever, I 
and wore glasses, I wasn't going to beat up anybody. I certainly wasn't going to outrun anybody. But then what I learned, if I could make fun of somebody, the other kids would laugh, and then they would protect me. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, no, 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 that's cool. That was funny. He's funny. We'll leave him alone, kind of a thing. And, oh, uh, like, yeah, and then I went to, when I was going to high school, I went to Catholic high school, but they used to pick us up and drive us forever to get to the school. And, uh, and out the bus was notorious for beating up freshmen and doing all that kind of shit. <laughs> so this guy yeah. I knew who was a couple years older, he said, wait, wait till, you know, you get on the bus, they're going to beat the shit out of you or whatever. I was like, mm, yeah, maybe. Um, I'll think of something. So yeah. I used to do sound effects. So the first day, uh, in the afternoon, we're driving. I'm like sitting right behind the bus driver, you know, and I see them coming up. I can see them and they're walking up to come get me. And I, I used to do like a, a, uh, an ambulance sound, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, fire engine kind of thing. So I do that as loud as I can, and the bus driver pulls over. And the whole bus cracks up, right? <laughs> and uh, the bus driver's like, whoa, what's going on? Well, Bob's not you. So, um, so then uh, they were like, well, that's funny. So then I was brought back as like an amusement star. <laughs> hey, you get, hey, hey, if you really think about it, on those school buses, that was literally one of your most impressive and important set lists you've ever put together. Oh, <laughs> oh exactly. And the best was to call back like two months later. I'm sitting in the back of the bus, we're all like passed out because we're tired or whatever. And an ambulance is behind us. And the bus driver says, Hey Bob, it's not funny. And I said, No, 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 no. I am not doing I can't talk and do it at the same time. You get pulled over. Oh shit. <laughs> and then everybody laughed and I was like, man, I didn't even have to do anything. <laughs> as yeah, as a freebie. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's, it's like when you're doing some crowd work and you're talking to someone in the audience, and they say something funny, and you just let it happen because yeah. you're going to get the credit for it anyway. <laughs> well, right, you know that's really, because usually then they try something else and it's like ah, you should have stopped there. So, yeah, that's you know. that's 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 actually to be honest with you, I get a kick out of that because oh. you know <laughs> they hang themselves out to dry. You just let it sit oh. there for about two or three seconds. <laughs> it, it's true. Now I, so I, uh, I love doing that. Work, but I like I like jumping into the audience, mm-hmm. and uh, which not a lot of people like or or will do or any of that stuff. And and the only people that get nervous are the other comics. Other comics are always like, dude, when you do that, it just makes us all angst. <laughs> 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 So it, I was in Vegas and I did it, and there was a guy trying to record the the, the show, uh, and he was like, what? "He's out there with a with a camera," and he was just like, he came back later, and just Bobby, what are you doing? I said, "What do you mean, what are we doing? I'm doing my thing. I just go." He's, well, if you're gonna tell people, I said, "Tell people what? I don't tell any. I just do what I do. That's what I do, you know." And um, I I don't I like doing it, but I was just remember the spaghetti warehouse report. Mm-hmm. We did many a fine show there. So yeah. one night I'm I'm in there and the mic, the MC is I was featuring the MC basically was having trouble with the mic and then when I got up there the mic died like it wasn't working. So mm-hmm. I just walked to the center of the room and just started screaming everything I was doing and wandering around and doing that till my uh, till my time was up there my half hour. So I finished and I and. And the, and the headliner was Jim Bailey, you know, Magic mm-hmm. Man. And so he says, he goes, 
oh, that was clever, you know, acting like the mic was broken. I said, it's not clever. The mic is broken. <laughs> like, he goes, really? I said, yeah. I said, well, well I'm not going to do a half hour of a broken mic. That's not a trick. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I've uh, I've also played uh, the spaghetti warehouse. <laughs> no. We had a uh, yeah. we had a karaoke machine we had to use for a while there. Oh wow! But one night I went and um and I was going to feature, and when we got into the room, we realized there were only eight people, which is not normally it was a pretty good crowd, but that night there were eight people mm-hmm. and they told us when we got there that they didn't have many reservations and maybe we could stand out front and tell people to come to it so while i'm standing out front a bachelorette party comes in and i'm like hey you guys should come to the comedy show uh and they didn't but they went into another room so the eight people are in the room now how's this what are the chances that there are eight people in the room all four of them on first dates Talk about a pucker crowd. Let me let me uh, let me give the audience a little bit of information. Uh, we're talking about the Spaghetti Warehouse, and that's not just a name. It literally was a a restaurant that sold that was a pasta and spaghetti and lasagna restaurant, and they had a little room in the back where where people did comedy. And there was a time when that little room was packed to the gills. Oh yeah. I mean, you literally would have a hard time walking to the stage, and even in a room that small, if if you have, we used to pack. I mean, the room was technically supposed well, to only have about sixty-five people in there at the most. We were packing in a hundred and twenty. Yeah, I said it, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's it was it was beautiful. It was really fun. It was like being in the belly room at the comedy store in L.A. Exactly, had that same feel. You're right. You know, and. and yeah, it was, yeah, that was the room. <laughs> About with eight people. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've I've been in there. I've been in there with 120, and I've also been in there mm. with uh, 12. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and there's the eight people, uh, all on first dates, or whatever. It was, you know, I you do your time. You you know, you get the <laughs> wait. There's no rolling anything. That's oh, wow. But after I was finished, I went and uh, next door to find the bachelorette party. Yeah. Because cause I hadn't gotten my fix, right? Mm-hmm. I hadn't gotten my, you know, I had to go, I had to do something else. I had more more stuff to release here. So I went next door to the bachelorette party, and I started doing some, I was just, you know, telling jokes, and I did some little thing that I used to do with the, uh, asking the names and their name would appear in my arms and this tattoo said your name and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm in there doing that. And then they're like, Bobby, you got to come with us the rest of the night. And I said, well, you're going to have to pay me to do that. So, oh. <laughs> so, 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 this is great. So they go, all right, we can, we'll give you a hundred bucks. Well, let me, let me call my agent. So I come on. I'm like, well, the bachelor party said they give me a hundred bucks. Tell them it's 200 or you're not going. Cause it's 200. They're like, oh, we can't do 200. Cause you're coming home. I'm like, okay, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> Now, why it. I ever did that, why I should have said, oh, yeah, yeah, get to it, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, when there's a bachelorette party, you go. Okay? <laughs> you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in retrospect, that was, I probably just should have said, oh, great, they said yes, you know, and then whatever. But, uh, it, it, but it, I had it, to get my time out because of that. Like, I, I couldn't, eight people wasn't giving me the, 
the 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 um, adrenaline that I needed to to do. You know, it's 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 a different feeling of. Um... Uh, for people that have never stood on the stage, whether you're an actor or a singer or a comic, there's a different feeling once you get to about a hundred people, uh, you know, a hundred people and up. There's a feeling that you get that it that nothing really can match that. And when you and you when you're used to performing in front of packed crowds and packed comedy clubs and places like that, and then you go to some place when there's eight people. First of all, you can look at the you look at the room. And you know there's supposed to be 300 people in there, and there's 27. You know that's usually that usually happens on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're going, why don't you just do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? No, we're doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm going. You mm-hmm. never get more than 50 people here. There's one waitress, right. one bartender. <laughs> you know. Why am I in the city one day early when I should be, you know, I should be back in New Jersey or Philly, wherever I'm living at the time, and then I'll come in and then we'll do the show. And they always do that. They drag you in. I'm like, what are you trying to make sure that the comic is in town so you put a fake show on to make sure we're there? (laughs) Yeah, which you wonder about. (laughs) Sounds about the right tactic. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they they want, I mean, let's be honest, one of the scariest things in the world if you're a booker is... And I've I've done this before, where I've like uh, managed the comedy rooms, and obviously you've done that before. Mm-hmm. When you look at that clock and the show starts at eight, and then you get a phone call, yeah, um, we're on I ninety five. How do you get to Trenton? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's like, why weren't you here already? You, the show was at eight. Why would you leave New York City at five twenty five? What are you doing? No, I remember one time I was with Parami again, going to bring him back. He and I are driving up to Long Island. And I said, I said, where are we going? Oh, it's just, uh, you know, right? Uh, no, not far. Well, next thing you know, we're almost in Spain. You know, we're so far out there. We pull up at the 8 o'clock show. We pull up at like 7.55. and said, Jeff, we're late. He goes, I'm not late. I don't go on for another half hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're on in five minutes, not me. I've, oh, I, 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 we, I went to Williamsport with Will Neary, um, which is four hours away from where I was. See, the thing was, I didn't like to go in the car with other comics. Not that I didn't love the comics. I did. These were friends. These were people I respected, mm-hmm. people I loved. But they always like to show up at 7.52. <laughs> I know. know. I hate that. <laughs> I literally, if I have an 8 o'clock show in Baltimore... I'm eating lunch, or or not lunch, but I'm at I'm already in the city at four o'clock. Right, <laughs> you know, I'm in my hotel room. You know, I'm in my hotel room at like at five o'clock or four thirty or something like that. That's why that's why people were going. Oh, we love S, but we are not traveling with him. Why? Because his stupid ass gets to town <laughs> four mm-hmm. or five hours early. Yeah, well, we could have together because that I that. I never like being late because that, that drives me crazy. Because I want to get a feel for the. I want to get. I want to see what's going on. You know, I need to figure it out. But I don't know if you've ever worked when the people that ran Dolly and their husband that ran the Spaghetti Warehouse room. They also had a room at a hotel in King of Prussia. Yes, I did. The Holiday Inn room, right? So mm-hmm. I was. I was there, and I. And the only reason I know is because of the way the setup. Was. I was watching. NFL playoffs 
football at the bar waiting for the show. So I'm mm-hmm. sitting there watching the game. I'm watching the game. There are three young ladies across the bar yakking away, and I'm just listening, but I'm watching the game. And the one girl goes, am I the only person who hasn't gotten late since New Year's? And uh, and I'm like, please tell me they're going to the show. Please tell me they're going to the show. Please tell me they're going to the show. So the show starts or whatever. I look down. I'm like, hmm, I think they're there. So I walk up on stage. I look down. I go, who would have thought we were all in the same bar getting a drink before the, before the show? And the one girl looks at me like, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, hey. Has anyone else not gotten laid since New Year's? Recon. <laughs> oh, my goodness. She's like, oh, my God. You didn't tell us. I said, I didn't speak to you at all. <laughs> what am I going to wear a sticker on my shoulder? <laughs> it's it's a weird thing because it's like uh, that particular place, and, and for those listening, when he was talking about Steve and Dolly, they were the ones that had actually ran the spaghetti warehouse that we had spoken about a few minutes earlier. And they they did a they did a bunch of different gigs around, and mm-hmm. you know if, if, if you're a comic, because um, like a third of the audience that listens to the show is like mm-hmm. in their early twenties, ah. <laughs> so that's why sometimes I, you know, like when you look at when I look at the stats, literally a third of this audience, a third of the people listening to us right now are in the, like in their like twenty to twenty five, twenty six, twenty somewhere around there. So that's cool. Yeah. So, but the thing is, when when you do when you do stand up comedy, everybody sees the comedy clubs, you know, the improvs and the flat factories and places like that. Mm. But you also fill in if you're in your hometown. You fill in with spaghetti warehouse type places. You play bars. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually emceed when I was not old enough to be in the room or in the building at all. Strip clubs. <laughs> that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was not old. I was like eighteen or nineteen years old. I was not old. Wow. That was down in uh, down in Philly, my hometown. I was not old enough to be in the building, and I'm <laughs> sharing a dressing room with a bunch of strippers. Wow! And I'm sitting in a chair, and they're taking their clothes off and talking to me like I'm going. I'm not supposed to act like I'm seeing all of this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're just walking around. You fu- you are so funny, sweetie. And then they they all come and hug and kiss on you, not wearing anything. Right. And I'm sitting there yeah. going, are they playing a prank? And they were just so comfortable being nude, they didn't think about it. It's like, well, we're in show business. You're in show business. It's not like you're going to attack us. You seem like a cute little guy. So, uh, hey, we're going to have our breasts out and our, uh, everything else out while we talk to you. And, uh, you know. <laughs> wow. You know. And that's that's what it's like when you're coming up as a comic. You play places like that. I would be honest with you. I wouldn't mind playing places like that again. I mean, no, I would. <laughs> that's wrong. So uh, <laughs> they won't they won't let us in now. <laughs> <laughs> Get your old ass out. You're not slick, you bastard. Exactly. No, no, we'll we'll be relegated. We have to go work at the Elk Lodge and the Moose Lodge, and you know, I've done millions of those. Oh yeah, and those, cool. be honest with you though, I've gotten some of my best tapes ever at Pickle Man gigs that were at Moose Lodges yeah. and Firehouses. Uh-huh. And yeah. um I mean because the thing is first of all, there are 400 people there. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's they true. really want to see a show badly. Oh yeah. And you know, if you had a firehouse, if you, you know that that they always have that big glass window where the door is where the where the uh 
the, mm-hmm. when the door slides up. And if there's there were lights coming through the background, and I had my camera all the way in the back, it looked like a damn HBO special. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It was great. You know, they, they, those are good gigs. I, I like them a lot. And and you, you know, because what happens is if you get a, see, when you play a comedy club in New York or L.A. or San Francisco or any of those places, the audience can be segmented from every, everywhere and all over the place and whatever. But if you go to one of these outs or loose lodges or whatever, you can pretty much hone in on what 99% of the audience knows or listens to, you know. You know, when you when you pull into that gig and there's 500 pickup trucks out there, you realize, okay, I think we know where to stay. Stay in the lane over here, you know. Uh, you know, you got to read the room a little bit. Um, you know, we, 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 I know you've done this because we've done a lot of the same gigs on the East Coast. But like you just said, you walk in and it's you go, is this a... a it's like, is this an F one fifty showroom or something? What the hell is going? <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm like, what the hell? I know it's the most popular yeah. vehicle in America, but damn, I think right. this—the reason it's the most popular vehicle in America—is because of these people. Right. It's like uh, the guy with the black F one fifty left your lights on. Which one of us? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you have you ever done the? Uh, you know what? know what is really weird. It was like when you do gigs in upstate New York, upstate Pennsylvania, um, yeah, and things like that. And you see, see, I don't see the thing is I got used to the pickup trucks. I know how to work that. You know how to work those rooms. Yep. You you, lo- you as soon as you walk in, you just all you got to do is listen to the level of the murmur or the type of murmur the the audience has, and you've been doing it long enough. You know exactly what energy level. You have to hit them with because of the the way the murmur is. But a couple mm-hmm. of gigs, I did a gig with some friends, some people that you know too, obviously, because we know a lot of the same people. And we mm-hmm. walked in. Every vehicle outside was a chopper, a motorcycle. Whoa. Yikes! Yeah, right. And we walked into the room, and every like ninety five percent of the room had colors on. <laughs> you, know, they had, you know what I mean so for those mm-hmm. of you for, for those of you so for my young audience and for people that don't know there was a there was a bunch of there was a big biker gang in there mm. and I'm looking at them and I'm going there's really no reason for this many bikers to be in a, in a I said the only reason and, and I'm you know as a, somebody who lives in Pennsylvania I know that usually with this particular group but I'm not going to mention any names <laughs> right. not going to be any more specific than that but from what I understand when you see this group this particular group in this particular number there's a reason for it and it rhymes with Beth Run <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there going oh my god I'm sitting there going oh and you know mm-hmm. you, you have to do the show because you need the money because you drove that far to get to it and you're going right. I'm either going to kill or die <laughs> right, yeah. Kill or be killed. Uh. <laughs> it's like, you know, and once you've done about 120 gigs like that, you know, and I, I swear I've done oh, at yeah. least 100, like, at least, no, probably several hundred like that, so have you. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of oh, hardens God. you to everything. You've seen so much after a while. It's like, eh, if I die, whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, so I... But then you get the gigs where they throw the curveball when you walk in. 
Mm-hmm. And and that one I always like. So I got one where it was uh, I was told I knew it was at was being held in Pagan, but I was told that it was only held there because that's the room they had, and it's a diverse crowd, and you know, don't worry about it, anything goes, blah blah blah. And I get there, and it's uh, oh. I get one of those, oh, yeah, we just realized that uh, it was, um, that Villanova was playing in the final four. He's like down in South Jersey. But like, we didn't realize that Villanova was going to play the final four this year. So uh, the crowd's going to be small and it's going to be all older Jewish people. And you can't say this and you can't do this and you can't do that. <laughs> I go, uh huh. Well, do you have any, like a blindfold and uh, and, uh, and some tape so you can take one arm behind my back and blindfold? I mean, you, know, you might as well just add all the things here. Like, well, you know, you know what a good time to tell me this was? Not now. Not now. <laughs> you know, like, so, I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, sure. We'll figure this out. So, I, uh, anyhow, so the, the guy who I was headlining, but the guy who was featuring, just like went into autopilot and doing his normal act, and at one point he made a, a Holocaust joke. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh. Well, I think at this point, all I have to do is stay away from that and I'll be a winner. I'm like, somebody didn't read the room. What the hell? What is wrong? You know, it's, I've, I've seen people, I did a Brene Brith show Right, and the the people it was, it was something very similar. He didn't go, whatever this. He didn't go straight to a Holocaust movie team, but he did something similarly inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And we're in the back, like you. I'd even never seen him do that bit. So you do <laughs> it now, right? <laughs> and that's like you know, it's like you're gonna go to the Afro American Historical and Culture Museum and start busting out the slavery bits. <laughs> well, yeah, problem. Not, not, not a good idea. So, but you, you know, the, the thing is, when you yeah, when you see an audience like that, you're like, oh, I don't know about this. Uh, so he did that. So that actually made it better for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and, but what I did, I said, I said, is this is this a kosher? And they said, yeah. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I think I was mixing up the meat and the dairy back there. Um, <laughs> so I did a few of those references because I know and. Uh, and the one the older guy came up later and he says, you, you didn't really mess up the stuff in the kitchen, did you? And I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got <laughs> a check, buddy. <laughs> I contaminated the whole place. That's what I did. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it's just, oh, it's well. just a weird thing that, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, that, that I said this to somebody, I think I'm trying to remember who it was that I, that was on the show. Um, in the last series of, of chats, it was, a uh, but I remember saying to them that, Essentially, and, and I'll see. I'm going to run this by you. See if you agree with this. Mm-hmm. Comics, especially when you become a good comic, when you you know when you know you know you remember back early when you got to the point where you pretty much knew what response you were going to get whenever you went on stage. Right. You know what I mean? You you, say, you go. You you just you know you're good at this point where you go. Okay, ninety nine percent of the time it's going to be fine, and the, you know, <laughs> and. I said, I said, you know, comics, essentially, even if we don't know each other, if you're a good comic and you can tell this person is good, you are essentially like first cousins. Yeah, 
because right. the second we meet another comic, once we detect that he or she is a good comic, all of a sudden, bang, you fall into this fast friendship, <laughs> you know, right. because you've experienced the same stuff. We are from the East Coast. There's comics in Texas who are playing hell gigs that suck. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. well, right. We all have the same stories of how we got there and the, the you know, like, I'll never forget. It was early on when I was doing stuff in Philly. And I did some show at a country club, and man, mm. they were they were tight as tight goes, and we had a bad sound system. So it was like it was the worst ever, and uh, and I came off, and I was just like, oof, that was rough. And the headliner <laughs> gives me one of those taps on the shoulder and goes, "Watch how it's done, kid." I'm like, okay, <laughs> and he goes up there and eats a dick. Worse than anybody I've ever seen eat one, and I was like, mm, "I am totally watching how this is done." And, and he's not a bad—he's not a bad guy, or any. You know, I'm sure. If and I know that he does well, or it was like, no, "I'm sorry, there are certain situations where I don't care who shows up, this ain't working." Yeah, it, 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 and also it's like there are certain times, like you just said, there are certain times, unless you're some ultra star that they're just in awe of, you know. Right. They're just like the hell with you, loser. And also, and, and as you know, after se- several, after about ten years, you've been in enough bars, you've been in enough country clubs. Because um, I have a similar story, mm. you know. And then after a while, you just start picking up these little techniques that flip rooms like that. Oh, yeah, so that's the thing. Like, I would love to go back to that room today because I would just, I would slap them around and call them soup because I It's weird. Yeah. It's weird when yeah. you watch. One of the funny things that used to crack me up is when you've, obviously, I'm we're both like three decades in at this point. Mm. But when you're about eight or nine years in, you're heading towards the 10 year mark and you're, you're good. You're just, you're legitimately good and it legitimately goes well. And you see a comic, a young comic. Now, when I say young comic, it doesn't necessarily mean the person has to be younger than you. They're just younger than you as a comedian. Right, right. And you're watching them. And (laughs) the funny thing about it is the young ones who are actually younger than you, if you walk up to them and you see a mistake that they're making technique-wise, obviously, as you know, there are specific techniques that you have to learn that everybody uses. Okay, they're just, you know, it's like martial arts. Everybody throws a punch the same way. You know, (laughs) you can mix up how you do it, but the punch is thrown the same way. So you walk up to them and you go, look, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because I remember it was a guy, he, and this is a classic young comic mistake. We're in a room. I'm waiting. I'm headlining the room. And these have an opening act and a feature. And the feature had just moved to feature. And he was like, you know, he had that like that puppy that when you walk in the house and the puppy runs up to you, he was had that kind of giddiness and he's killing. Mm-hmm. He's doing crowd work to one side of the room and completely ignored the other side of the room. You know yeah. what happens there, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now you got 150 people are like, are we still here? You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so he has to go back to that side of the room to get them going, and he's so concentrating on getting them going that he ignores mm. the original 150 people on the other. And he just, mm. it just ruined his set. And I pulled him to the side. I said, "Listen, man, yeah. if you find some gold on one side of the room, that's cool. 
but you always have to turn back to the other side of the room. Even if you're not going to do crowd work with them, just hit them with a little right. something to keep, the, you know, to keep the, the plate spinning and they're fine. He yeah. took the advice. The other person who was closer to my age, no, he was actually maybe a couple of years older than me. He did exactly the same mistake. I took him aside to tell him that. And I could tell he had a look in his face like, you, you think you know everything, you. punk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true, though. You, you, uh, well, sometimes you don't want to listen, which is all fine. But it's like, it, you know, it's years of experience of watching how it developed. I mean, yeah. I, I, it, it, there was a guy, I remember the guy doing our show, and this guy, he's going to MC, right? And he says, I have so many hours of material, I don't know what I should do. <laughs> and I'm like, you have so many hours of material, you don't know what to do. And you're the MC. Okay, good. Uh-huh. So then he goes up and he's, you know, doing the book. And, and he's dying. And I'm thinking, of all of the hours of material, that's the intro? <laughs> 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 I don't want to do my nine hours of good stuff. I got this 15 minutes that blows. Right. It's like, I'm thinking, first of all, what are you doing telling anyone how many hours of material? Like, I don't, first of all, I don't care. I'm not in the audience. Like, don't even talk to me about that shit. But then you get up and that's what you do? It's like, wow, what are the other, you know, 10 hours of material that are terrible? You, you know what's funny? It's like, uh, I don't have kids. You have kids? Yes, I have one. You have, you have a kid? Okay, well, yeah, she'll be twenty. She'll be twenty-five. I was going to say you. You. you know, I was going to say we're both up there, so she's an adult by now. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah. but you know how you have the little book when you have a baby, and they go in one yeah. month they do this, and in yeah, two right, months they right, do right, this. Right. It's the same thing with comedians. In the first oh, yeah. year they do this, and at six mm-hmm. months they do this. <laughs> and you can watch it happening. It's like, dude. 30-something years ago, I was you. I already know what you're going to do next. You're going to wrap the microphone around your hand, the microphone cord around your hand too many times. You know, (laughs) you're going to look down at the ground and go, ah, ah, what do I want to talk about now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. Uh, Yeah. You know, it's funny, my, my daughter wrote a paper in college, and I don't even think I read it because I was too shocked by the title. The title was, um, what was it? It was My Father the Comedian and How I Survived All These Years. And I was like, what? what? Ooh, that sounds <laughs> like a one-person show. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, what's that supposed to mean? You know, but, but when, I, when I said earlier that I did the Ozzy, uh, I was doing Ozzy a lot uh, just to change it for me or whatever. And that way, like, if I went back to do, there's a couple of, like, I started um, booking some shows. So, and one year was the best. I, I, I was emceeing it for a bunch of years. And then one year, something happened. I'm like, all right, I'll feature, but I'll feature as Ozzy, so it'll be different or whatever. So I do it, and then I come back uh, after the show, and this guy goes, where's that Ozzy guy? He was great. And the other guy goes, it's him. And he goes, it's not him, stupid. And I'm like... I think you're both stupid. I don't understand why you're even having this problem. <laughs> I just, oh my God, that was you? And I'm like, yeah, what's wrong with you people? But I had headshots at the time that 
it was a split. There was a picture of me as Ozzy, and it would say O-Z-Z, and then the other side was Bobby Z, right? So mm. my daughter was like eight or nine at that point. Oh, God, that's a long time ago. So, uh, so she says, Dad, give me an, I want an, an autograph copy of that or whatever. So I said, oh, on the Ozzy side, I wrote, Dear Jamie, you're like a daughter to me. Love Ozzy. And uh, she laughed. And my wife goes, that's terrible. And my daughter tells my wife, and says, Mom, I'm get the picture and go, this guy, pointing at the Bobby Z side, she says, not my father. This guy in the Aussie outfit, definitely not my father. All right. <laughs> and I was like, I have some shoe notes. <laughs> now, i got to ask you this. Now, I saw SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. Which means you have added acting. Well, so I was a voiceover guy in L.A., um, uh, and that's where I got doing that. Uh, I did a lot of voice, a voice. I did a lot of cartoon-type stuff and, and all that kind of thing. And, um, yeah. And then, but the thing about acting now is that I, I always looked like I was a 10-year-old kid until about five years ago. So mm-hmm. um, that's when I started growing facial hair. But, um, but now I, I, I definitely, as I get older, I want to go back to acting because I feel like I can play a father on TV kind of thing now. And, uh, and, and I know a lot of people. I still, know, I still work in the TV and film biz, mm-hmm. you know, um, on the... On the equipment side so I need a lot of guys mm-hmm. and because of Zoom I'm on Zoom all the time doing these things and one of the directors actually saw one of my things I was doing and, and wrote to me and said dude I'm doing a western because I, my hair is long and my beard is long and all stuff. Because I'm doing a western uh, over the summer in LA so if you come back I, I go to LA well, I used to go to LA once a month a week a month and um, but I probably will now I'm vaccinated and we'll probably get that going but yeah so I, I definitely want to do more acting then, but the, the voiceover thing, I was doing some in L.A., and then I got married, and mm. we moved to New York, and then I was getting an agent, but then I had to get a day job before the agent got me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had to give that up. But I don't, but I still keep it because, uh, as I always say, the good thing, like if you're a baseball player, you're pretty much, no matter how good you are, you, you can't play beyond a certain time, right? Mm-hmm. But with comedy, comedy, acting, voiceovers, they're lifetime gigs. I mean, you know, George Siegel just died at 89, still working. You know, Betty White's 104 in the shade, and she's still working. So I intend to do that forever. We never, <laughs> was, we, like, because like, you look at athletes, you got 24 to 34, then it's over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, we're just getting up to full strength at 34. <laughs> well, well you know? I'm laughing because I'm thinking, you know what? If I retire and decide to go full force in acting at 65, say, right? Mm-hmm. I could have a 20-year acting career without a problem. Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy, right? And and with insurance, this is that's like my plan, though. It's like, i got to go back to doing voiceover because I've done... A lot of voiceovers over the years, mostly as favors, not favors, but I, I get paid, but nothing I'm like pursuing actively. Mm-hmm. And, um, and cause it's funny too, because a friend of mine works, works with Jimmy Buffett. 
Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, he's like, dude, I need you to do, if you're making accent of a guy saying the plane's coming in too low, and I need it in like 20 minutes. And I'm like, what? The plane is coming in too low, man. You know, so I'm in a closet recording, and, uh, and and I send it, and he's like, oh, they loved it. I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, but I, so I keep my hand in it, uh, it's something I can't wait to do full time again, and mm-hmm. uh, but but again you can do it forever. And like you know, but George Burns was but he had his hundredth birthday gig all lined mm-hmm. up before he died. I mean, your audience was like, "Who the hell is George Burns?" Yeah, literally. I mean, I, I was surprised <laughs> at uh, at how many. I was like, huh. Because I never, I don't, I don't, you know, after you, after you've been doing it a while, you know, you don't even go back and really look at the stats. It's like, I just look the first day to make sure everything's counting properly. Then I completely mm-hmm. ignore it and just begin with the, with the next episode and things of that nature. And then one day yeah. I went back and looked and I went, what? <laughs> I say, what? You know, I, I expect young people to come see me live, but I didn't know that, you know, that like right now in a couple of days when I put this up. There's going to be 20 somethings walking around campuses listening to this. <laughs> you know? That's cool, though. Or, or, yeah. or on treadmills or something. Because I was completely sure. shocked. I was like, what the? I was like, no, by the way, young people, I'm glad you're here. Okay. Just want to let you know that right now. I'm glad you're here. And I'm saying that not we, just because I we, like to suck up to the audience, but because I'm old now and most of you can probably beat my ass now. So as <laughs> but also we need them to earn money to pay for our social security. Yeah, you bastards. <laughs> Get some high paying jobs and pay some taxes, damn it. <laughs> Especially now. You know, how, how, you know I'm not gonna get any yeah. STEMI. I want a STEMI, damn it. <laughs> mm. You know. But it's just it's just a it's a weird thing to to when you start to get an idea of who's listening to you now back I wanna, as far as uh, I want to uh, something I wanted to ask you about the voice because the voiceover thing I know some friends in LA trying to get into that and one of my friends was a um, he was an engineer and he did the, the uh, Casey Kasem countdown and things of that nature yeah it is ridiculously hard to get oh, yeah. into voiceover good lord well, yeah. Yeah, you super get tough <laughs> Yeah, you have to get an agent and all that stuff. And and so I went out. So when I first submitted my first tape uh, to get voiceover stuff, mm-hmm. I did uh, what you're not supposed to do. Uh, I made a homemade tape and I sent it to Hanna Barbera. Mm-hmm. And Hanna Barbera called me. Yeah. And and said, "Come on in for an audition." I was like, "Cool, I'm ready." So I get there and they said, "All right, so uh, here's some scripts." Go through them, pick two, and then uh, when you're ready, we'll come back. We'll get you, you know, hooked up. I'm like, okay, sounds good. I'm like 23, <laughs> I think I am, right? So I walk back. They I walk down the hallway, and as I'm walking down the hallway, all the guys that you were, mostly Mel Blank and all these other mm-hmm. guys, and, and I'm just like, oh boy, wow, look at this hallway. Going into the room, the room is gigantic. There's a single microphone and a single uh, um, uh, stand, uh, music stand there for your for your notes and stuff, and it's two stories high. <laughs> and these people are behind glass on the second floor that you can't see, and they're like, 
okay, uh, just say your name and uh, read the script. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I go through that. I do the first one. They're like, okay, that's good. Uh, second one, okay. And I go and I do the second one. And then they come in, okay, uh, why don't you just see, um, you know, all the voices that you do. And uh, you got five minutes, go ahead. I'm like, okay. I go on for what I feel is 10 minutes. <laughs> and they go, okay, you still have time. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I think I'm out. <laughs> like, <laughs> making up fake so, voices. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh. So I, I leave, or, or, you know, going out, and they say, hey, uh, you know what, we're going to listen back to whatever, and we'll be in touch. I was like, uh, yeah, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. They called. They did. They called. They said, look, Bobby, um, great stuff, but, uh, you know, you obviously don't have an agent, or you wouldn't have sent an unsolicited thing. So what we suggest is that maybe you go take a couple lessons, get a real tape made, go get an agent, blah, blah, blah. Like, Okay. So mm-hmm. I contact this guy to, to make a tape, and he says, wait a minute, let me get this straight. You sent an unsolicited <laughs> And he said, but they listened to you? So then I got to all right, pretty good. So I get it all going. I'm, I'm trying. Now I'm sending out letters. Now I have this tape. I send it out to, to every agent in Hollywood, and I'm getting nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple weeks later, a guy buys the townhouse next to the girl I'm dating, who's now my wife. Mm-hmm. And he comes in, and my wife and I look at him, and we go, well, that guy looks familiar, doesn't he? And she said, yeah. I said, maybe he must be an actor, blah, blah, But we realize he's an actor. So I'm talking to him, and I said, uh, one day, we start playing golf, we do all these things, and he says, well, you know, Bob, uh, um, I, uh, I did a lot of voiceover work when I first got to New York when I was 20, in my 20s. And I said, oh, really? And he says, uh, you know, the ragu, that's Italian. And I was like, holy shit, you're the ragu guy? <laughs> 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 he was the ragu, that's Italian guy. Yeah, at he never, because I asked him one time, I said, oh, what did you, were you a waiter? What were you doing before you were a full-time actor? He's like, no, I, I got to New York. I took my sweet time through college. Did a, I did it. Uh, and he said, I got there two weeks after. I got the right new job for 18 straight years. Jeez. <laughs> so, so I said, well, do you mind sending my tape to uh So he dropped his tape off with his agent. And his agent called me and said, hey, come on in. I like your tape. I'm like, you do? She goes, no, I really do like your tape, but I would never have listened to it if James hadn't dropped it on my lap. I said, okay, cool. <laughs> you gotta get very, so, you gotta be a made yeah, man in business well I mean it helped but the very first audition I go to their place and they used to because then you had to go there and do and do an audition at the, you know they had a pager and uh, get beat and go there and uh, so I'm in the room to do this audition and the other two people in the room the one guy was the guy who played Les Nessman on WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. And the other guy was Sliggy from Laverne and Shirley, David Lynn. <laughs> David. Yeah. And he, he walks in and goes, hello, everybody. You know, does his thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I'm in the room and I'm like, am I in the room with the has-beens already? But what I didn't realize is how much voiceover work those two guys were doing because they had familiar sounding voices. They were doing a lot of, a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was not 
So I was in with those, but it was very, it was a, it was intimidating, but it was kind of fun at the same time to be in a room with those guys. But I was so, that was before social media or page. I mean, we had pagers. We didn't even have cell phones. So we didn't, mm. couldn't keep in contact with anybody. You just, you just did what you did. But then I moved to, uh, moved to New York and pick it up. So, but that's why I keep, I keep, I pay my dues so I can get these free screeners and, uh, hope that, uh, I get back to it much more full-time at some point, which I will. Yeah, and as far as the stand-up is concerned? Well, the stand-up, I mean, it took me, took me COVID hiatus, but uh, mm-hmm. that I keep doing as much as I can because it's easy to do comedy. Uh, you can get a lot of filler, you know, shows doing different things like uh, Elk's Lodge, Moose Lodge, that kind of stuff. I go to Vegas a couple times a year for uh, my other job. And I went and I get on stage while I'm there, and I never tell anybody I work with that I'm on stage till the next day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last night yeah, I did the midnight show at the South Point Casino, 300 people. It was awesome. Um, what you tell us, man? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, yeah, it's not my thing. I don't want I don't want people I know there. That's not the, that's not why I do it. You know? Come on, man. You got to tell us, man. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'll entertain you. Lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a weird thing when people that you know show up at the show. Yeah. Sometimes, it's, you know. It's, yeah, it, it, it depends. Like, yeah, some people I don't mind that are there, and other people I'm like, no, this is awkward. And I don't like people, I don't like knowing people when I walk through the audience, obviously. I don't want to talk to them when I know. That, what fun is that? There's yeah. no adventure there. I had a, I like I had, yeah. I had an ex girlfriend that I literally broke up with, and I just forgot about her. And then she was sitting in the front row with whatever Ooh. dude she was dating next. Ooh. <laughs> That's awkward. She was horrified, and the guy didn't know why. And what? I thought it was the funniest thing in the world because. That's not going to stop me from doing my show. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> that's not going to slow me down even a little bit. But I just no. look at her face like, oh my God. Like, I'm sitting there in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, we broke up. We're cool. We didn't have a horrible breakup. You know, it's been a while. Right. I didn't expect you to sit in the, you know, sit in the closet and stare at a wall and not date anybody. I got a new girlfriend with you, and she just doesn't happen to be here right now. <laughs> you know, what's the, what's the difference? <laughs> so, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, it, sometimes I don't mind if I find out that somebody didn't tell me they were in the audience. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, but when we do, like, when I was doing those fundraisers, you know, like my daughter's school, I'm like, oh, how are really kind of, you know, crossing the streams here. Um, yeah. Because, like, I, oh, that, that time I had Parami introduce me, I told him I could hear it, the introduction to be, you know, yeah, you may know him as Coach Bob because I was coaching sports or whatever. But mm-hmm. in comedy, we call him Bobby Z, right? <laughs> he gets up there and he goes, "Oh, yeah, your next comedian is a guy." You know, you may know him as uh, as Coach Bobby, but in comedy, we call him Coach Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's one thing always that always cracked me up about him is that. Uh, because I work, I've obviously I've worked with I worked with Jeff too. Is you know you're going to get you, he's going to break your stones. Uh, oh, you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know it's not going to stop. 
from the moment he gets there to the moment he leaves, uh, which is fine. That's, I mean, that's what comics do to each other. That's a, that's a, because yeah. I'm, I'm, your, I'm your wife is a, is she a veteran comedy wife now? She realizes that when you're hanging out with the other comics that you're going to torture each other the entire time you're in each other's presence. Well, she knows a lot of that, uh, and she's better right now. So the thing, you know, like I always say that there's two different kinds of comics. There's, um, there's, uh, you know, like there's party funny, mm -hmm. and then there's stage funny, mm -hmm. and some people are both. Like, Parandi was both. He mm -hmm. was always on, and he did that, right? But there are other guys, they didn't talk after they got off stage. So my wife didn't understand that at first. Cause she go to talk to them, and they're like, mm, mm, you know, I'm gonna go back to my basement. Mm, talk to me. <laughs> so she didn't understand that, and that was, you know, that that got weird. But one night, she fell asleep at the at one of the clubs in Philly, in the audience after I, I was done. And then, like the woman running the room goes, "Bobby, you gotta hear what she's sleeping in the back." <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, so I get her out. We were out in the lobby, and then other guys showed up that were working other places and came to the club, you know. And the one guy goes, "Hey, Bobby, he goes, uh, you want to come to the strip club with my wife and I? You know, you and your wife want to come." I'm like, "Oh yeah, that, that sounds like a great idea. That's my wife. I'm sure she'll want to do that, you know." <laughs> and so he goes, "Hey, Mrs. Z, uh, you, you want to come to the strip? My wife and I go to the strip club. Do you and Bobby want to come to the strip club?" And she goes, "Yeah, okay." And I'm like, well, "Who is that?" You know. <laughs> So I'm like, huh, we are? What? So we get in the car, and she goes, what the hell is this? And I go, what? you said yes, what you say yes for, right? She goes, well, he asked. I said, he's not the CEO of the company. I'm like, <laughs> She goes, well, now we have to go. And I'm like, well, sounds like a delightful time. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, I got to ask you. This is, this is, this, this yeah. is an important question about this situation. Yeah. At mm -hmm. this point, how long were you actually married when this happened? Oh, uh, at least 10 years, probably, yeah, probably 12. I mean, we were married a long time. And it, you're, so, and the, you're a dead it, man. That was oh, your no, cue yeah. to get her out of there. Oh, no, no, no. So, well, right. But, but she said, yes, I'm like, huh? So, so then you get in the car. So then she goes, well, now we have to go. I said, all right, fine. So, don't worry, we're not going to stay long. This is not going to be fun. I can just tell. So we walk up to the place and they tell us the cover charge. And my wife, reaches in her in her wallet okay and i go i go wow how cool is that both the girl accepting the money and my wife both look at me like you're a dick and i'm like yes sign <laughs> well we'll be leaving soon so we went in for about four and a half minutes and we left and i was like that was not a good thing and i'm laughing she's yelling at me i'm like this is not really my fault i did not say yes i'll just like you say no and i i said it, as much sarcasm as i possibly could yeah, why don't you ask her? <laughs> Man. <laughs> I, I, but uh, oh it was God. the last time, I think it might have been the last time I ever went to a strip club because when you go in with your wife's goggles on, you realize, mm. this is not a place you want to be. <laughs> oh, no. You, you know, the thing about it is is that I've, I've played those places, so by mm. the time I was old enough to legally go into the places... You already knew they were not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like the fascination was gone. It's like I've actually, you know, as I said, it's like I've, you know, you know, I'm actually have, you know, I'm actually having sex now. I don't necessarily. I mean, I can actually see naked women at my house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like I'm not going to give you yeah. money. I can, I can actually take the woman who's going to mm. take her clothes off just for me 
I can take her to dinner and, and then actually have sex or I can yeah. sit there with this person who just wants me to hand them bills and then not have sex or I could spend time with someone who's going to have sex. Uh, let me right. think about that for a minute. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that, that, that's totally true. And then, of course, as I have a daughter, so as she gets older and all those things, it's just like, mm, that's not a good idea at all. Yeah, I mean, man. Oh, you know, has, she, has your daughter come to see you? Uh, she has seen me. She's, uh, she's seen me do some things. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I, I know the first time she ever saw me, I was dressed as Ozzy. <laughs> At a Halloween party, a friend's Halloween party, and they're like, "Can you do something?" And I'm like, "Can I do something? What are you talking about?" So, I did do a little bit of a, a set where I brought up um, the the guy. It was a guy. It was a combination of Halloween and birthday party. So the guy's wife. I brought her on stage and did some stuff, and she, you know, embarrassed her or whatever. And but when my daughter was like, "Oh, that was kind of weird," and she's seen me do some other things, and uh, but. That's another one. Oh, oh, I know what I did. Yeah, I did a high school. That's right. We did comedy for her high school. Uh, and I got like a bunch of guys. Cause, well, I know, hard, right? So I said, well, we got to be clean. So I'm like, all right, everybody come and do your cleanest four minutes. And um, yeah, and we did that. That was pretty good. Then Karani did that show too. And I was like, oh boy, here we are. Living, <laughs> living on the edge. You know, because he... He yells out to his teacher, he goes, where's it on your honeymoon? And the girl goes, Punta Cana. And he goes, what'd you call me? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, 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 it's just one of those things where it's, it's just a funny thing when you see your friends and you're so used to them that you don't see them the way normal people see them. <laughs> right? With love, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're going, I'm used to seeing you with my eyes. And then you go, oh, God, you're around normal people. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know these people. Stop. Well, one of the comics uh, was hilarious because my daughter came backstage and my daughter calls me Babo, which mm. is daddy in Italian. So mm. she goes back and says, hey, Babo, do you want me to introduce you or what? And I said, yeah, okay, fine. And this other comic heard her speak to me, didn't think she was my daughter because he thought she said Babo. And mm. so then he starts asking her, and I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, dude, that's my daughter. He goes, that's your daughter? Why does she call you Bobby? I said, she calls me Bobo, which is daddy. Like, get back off. She's 17 or whatever the heck she calls. Step away from the area, will you? Uh, <laughs> you just start reaching into your shirt and pretend like you got a gun yeah. in there. <laughs> well, what the hell's going on here? But, yeah, that, that was kind of funny, but you well, let me ask uh, you this: is, does, yeah. does your does your kid? Well, I was going to say, kid, she's a grown woman now. Does your daughter? I mean, it's it's a weird thing to ask because people always just assume if you're an entertainer that your children are also. Sometimes the kid looks at the yeah. entertainment and goes, "Hell no!" <laughs> you know, I see what that's yeah. like. How tough that is. No, and then some people are like, "I got to get some of that." So I'm assuming well, your daughter is in one of those camps. But so it's funny because she, she not necessarily stand up, but she has been an actor and a singer and an mm -hmm. entertainer. And she, she actually, she does some uh, on camera stuff now that I help her with. She's very funny and she, she could do comedy if she really wanted to, but I don't think she really wants to do that. But uh, yeah, but I remember she was in fourth grade 
and she got the part of Cinderella in the school play. And I was like, huh? you know, I didn't know what she wanted to do. Well, she did a great job she, because she didn't act like a four-year-old or a, a fourth grader. She acted like she was acting. You know, she wasn't doing it. And I was, I was amazed by the whole thing. I was nervous about it. But the last night of the, of the run, the PTO president says, well, you're comfortable on stage. Can you go out and give away all the flowers to everybody and thank everybody? And all that? I'm like, me, what am I doing? We just down my own great. Okay. So I'm out there and I'm doing my thing, just saying thank you to everybody and whatever. And then I, I, I said, oh, and please, big hand for the lady who's doing sound, right? Mm-hmm. And my daughter, I was standing in front of the stage, like down, and she's up on the stage. And I said, oh, we got to thank Mrs. What's-Her-Name for doing sound. And my daughter leans over my shoulder and goes, yeah, because without her, we couldn't hear you. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm getting heckled by my own kid? What's going on here? That's, that's, that's good stuff. <laughs> so I say to her, I said later, I said, you know, Jamie, you seem really comfortable on stage. Why is that? And she hits me and goes, it's in the blood, dude. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it, it shows up early, and yeah. a lot of people don't recognize it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's just there. You know, uh, you know uh, my mother was telling me years and years ago um, about uh, my uncles and my aunts, that I, and, and I remembered after they told me, you know, you, you, I had tape recorders and I was doing little skits into the recorder uh-huh. and I would leave little spaces for dialogue and then I would play the original tape and then insert the dialogue. So I was literally talking to myself and writing little shows like that. And I'm yeah. like six, seven, eight years old. <laughs> that crap was there. I just didn't know it was there. And a lot of times people when you think back and you're going good you were talking about the instinct that you had on the bus some of it was a survival instinct but the ability was there already and you mm-hmm. just took a while to figure out how to use it it's like being superman and you're going you know i, I jumped i was going to just jump off the steps but i seem to be levitating here uh <laughs> right like, i seem to be able to holding it Honing it is the hard part, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Dialing it in is, is often the, the hard part. But you, you know, you want to entertain people. I, I just always did, and and um, no matter what. And I think that, and I know she has, and she does what she does, and and it and it's kind of funny. But when she said, because the funny thing was, she says, you know, it's in the blood, dude. And I'm thinking, well, at your age, I would have loved to have been the lead in a play, but I didn't have the look or whatever and I certainly didn't have the confidence like that you mm-hmm. know where she's had it in spades because when we got to when she got to college, high school I think it was her senior year uh, the teacher her Italian teacher was getting in like an award in the whole district it was a big thing and so the principal calls and says hey would you mind doing an introduction of him for this award in front of all the teachers or whatever. And I'm laughing because I'm like, she's not going to give a shit who's there. She'll, she'll just do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so she gets up there and she gets up and she improvs a little bit and does this whole thing and just goes crazy. And a couple of comics that I knew were teachers during the day mm-hmm. who were in the audience. And one of them wrote to me and said, dude, your kid's like, you know, way beyond you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was thinking, well, yeah, I hope that with each generation it would get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's it's just really weird when you when because it's it's like you know you have it and then you start to see it pop up in your kid, and they're going, "Is this a good thing or a bad yeah. thing?" It's like you know, uh, what I mean? yeah. it's like oh well, yeah. I thought we were going to. I'll be honest. I thought we were going to support a starving actor. Like, mm-hmm. I thought she was going to go for acting, and doing that. And I was totally on board with that. Unlike my father, who was not on board with it, but I understood mm-hmm. it from his perspective. He didn't get it. He didn't understand that thing. Plus, he had five kids. Was he going to, you know? So mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do that. Whereas I'm thinking, well, I would have liked to have given it a deeper shot, you know, early on like that. Uh, and I would totally be supportive to try it, whatever. But she was like, that's not very practical. I think I need to figure out a way to do my own thing, which is great. And she lives out on her own, and she bought her own brand-new car last summer and not telling me how much money she has in the bank. And I'm like, wait, what? I paid for college. Why are you paying for college? So, uh, <laughs> so you know that was a loan, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, hmm, wait a minute. <laughs> but, yeah, so that, that's great but she's also got this outlet where she's doing these videos and uh and she works at a she works at a, a cool tv station and all this kind of stuff so it, it's working well for her but um but she's not done by any means i know she from a personality standpoint she's ready to, to conquer the world but her confidence is is far beyond you know at, at the age that she was at you know i, I don't I said right there, I'm pretty sure I was in my 30s before I started that mm-hmm. Yeah, Well, yeah, because it's like yeah. they, they uh, you know, you've already made a lot of the mistakes, you know, yeah. and so she yeah. just watches and goes, I'm just going to, you know, I was going to take all the good stuff. And that's, yep. that's usually what and, happens. You know, her, her kids will take all the good stuff, <laughs> you know, and it'll be that. You know, you hope, know. I, hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't skip a generation if that happens too. Uh you, you know, yeah. my father, my father couldn't cook. He couldn't cook anything. My grandfather was a chef, but I know how to cook. And I said, it's it's a generation. It, you know, my father's colorblind, but I'm not. It's it's a generation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just a weird thing, man. Oh man. Yeah. So my genetics friends... is a... Go ahead. funny. Good. I was just gonna say, uh, genetics is strange, but uh, you know. It's fun. It's a fun ride, but uh, it's great talking to you again. It's been a while, in a minute or two. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, and I know because it was really weird because I because uh, before we wrap up, I want to tease you about your hair for a minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you you used to have dreads, man. <laughs> yeah, I did have dreads, and the funny thing is, I still have a full head of hair, but I shaved my head because the dreads were a pain in the ass. I mean, mm. they were real pain. I mean, they, they, they people liked them, but it's just it's just like, good lord! It's like your head's nine hundred degrees. As I was going yeah. all the way down my back, I go to sleep, and I'm I'm not even kidding. I would turn my head in the middle of sleep, and it was like somebody was pulling my hair. I was like, I I, I nah, yeah. I can't do it anymore, you know. <laughs> but uh, I don't have the uh, romance novel hair that you got right now, buddy. <laughs> 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 I, was, I, yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I was I saw your name on Facebook. I said, oh, that's that's my old friend Bobby Z. Let me uh, click on there. I said, uh, what the? Who's this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, why are you putting up a fake picture? 
uh, <laughs> Facebook because you had the you had the full beard and the romance novel hair. And I'm going, the hell's going on here? You know. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm I'm now the most interesting comedian in the world. <laughs> so uh, for those of you those of you uh, listening to this, the thumbnail for this episode will have a picture of Fabio <laughs> over here. Uh, <laughs> That's great. We have, have a picture of me and Fabio here uh, uh, for Woo. this episode. So, Bobby, man, I, first of all, uh, thanks for coming on the show. That's the first thing. And I, like I said, we hadn't seen each other in a while. It was good talking to you, man. Mm-mm. Yeah, great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I can't wait to see you in person someday. And uh, now that we're, someday we'll get all vaccinated up and uh, and it'll be great. Oh yeah, I, I can't. I, I'm waiting to get. Uh, it's like being healthy is normally a good thing, but now it's like, yeah, you get your healthy ass at the back of that line. We're not giving you a damn thing until they, until we stick everybody else thing. I'm like, uh, I, I feel a, my knees hurting. Nice try, pal. <laughs> yeah, we saw you bang your knee into the table five minutes ago. You're not fooling anybody, damn it. We have it on the we have it on the security. The security camera, damn it. Now get out of here. We'll give you one. We got two of them left. Get out of here. <laughs> but when the pandemic is over, and I, first of all, as soon as I get my tooth, they, they jam in the arm a couple times because I want to get back up on stage and tell jokes to drunk people like a, like the old days, like a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, my brother, That's thank awesome. you for coming on, my friend. Thank you for having me. Thank you, audience, for listening, and be sure to like and share and do all those good things. All right, take care, my brother. Bye bye. All right, now did I tell you or did I tell you? Huh? That was fun, wasn't it? Well, it's going to continue because I've got, like I said, a whole bunch of really cool people lined up. You enjoyed that one. You're going to enjoy the rest. And thank you very, very much for listening to the show. Remember, rate and review this show. Suggest this show to friends and subscribe. You dig? See you next time. Take care.